Hey everyone, I'm Karen Walby-Solomon and welcome to What's IGN Crushing On, IGN Africa's official entertainment podcast. I'm your host and I'm joined as always by my producer and editor Rebecca Barchers. So this is a show where we discuss all things entertainment and pop culture with a new guest every week. We bring recommendations, news and fun facts sometimes touching on the more serious issues surrounding these topics. This week on the show, we have comedian Lindy Johnson. Even though she's still quite young, Lindy has done shows across the country and even in Rwanda. She was picked as one of the young comedians in Trevor Noah's nationwide special and as one of the organizers of Frizzpop, an all-woman comedy festival. Both of these you can watch on Showmax. Rebecca, how are you doing? Um, no, I'm good. I spent my week editing this awesome interview and I went over it a few times and each time I would laugh at the same thing, which is actually quite common for me. but. It was such a fun interview to edit. Um, I mean, I've spoken to Lindy before, but she's she's just so like naturally funny, man. Because I know that like <clears throat> a lot of comedians, it's like it's all about the written jokes. But I mean, mm. when we were doing the sound check, already, she was hiding under blanket. She was. <laughs> she said um, <laughs> when she was like going up to her room, and then like I don't know who made this mess in my room. <laughs> and I was, it was actually a really fun interview. So for the listeners, um, we should probably like say a little bit about what we spoke about. So we spoke about Lindy's journey through comedy, how she decided to go into it, what she loves about it, who she loves in comedy. And then we also spoke about quite a few television series that she loves, like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Saturday Night Live, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, it was also quite informative because she has like really strong opinions about what she watches. Mm. She spoke about a lot of shows that are some of my faves, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And Nine-Nine? Yeah, Nine-Nine and Saturday Night Live. I mean, as soon as she mentioned that, then I knew it was going to be a good, a good interview. Because <laughs> it just it gave me flashbacks of when we were, when we were kiddos and we used to um, phone each other on a Saturday night because we had such amazing social lives um, that we would call each other on a Saturday night just before the parties started that we went yeah, to obviously. the parties um. exactly and we used to landline mind you landline phone calls we used to have full on conversations while we were watching the show and I don't think that is a normal thing people to do I feel like people do it now they just like you know whatsapp each other or like voice note each other or whatever I think a lot of people who do that to me yeah (laughs) so they were like oh my gosh I'm on episode 5 now blah 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 oh come on my podcast when Game of Thrones was on I used to get it a lot like because I used to watch it at 3 o'clock in the morning and when other people finally watch it then they would like whatsapp me while they're watching it they're like oh my word that part yo did he just do that like (laughs) But yeah, let's let's stop jibber jabbering, and <laughs> jibber jabber, and let's get to the interview with Lindy. So, how have you been? How has the quarantine been for you in lockdown and all day? It was actually really shitty. It was a very mm. very shitty time, and everyone's like, 
it was even worse because everyone was like, oh, we're just, you know, doing what we can with this time period. And we're like, you know, pushing through. Or oh, you need to do survive. I'm like, no, bitch, I have bills. I can't just survive. I have responsibilities and I don't know if I can meet them. Luckily, you know, shout out God one time. I, I was able to take care of myself. I feel like I'm very lucky to still be able to mm. do that. And I'm just glad it's over now, though. I never want to do anything like that again. I have never been so close to, like, filling out the CV and just going down to, like, the nearest Amazon and asking if they need someone in the call center, need someone <laughs> to mop the floors. I can't really keep clean that well. But you know what? I'm enthusiastic. You can ask all my past lovers, um, <laughs> lover, and they'll tell you. Like, I'm enthusiastic. You know what I'm lacking in all my other departments? I make up for in a smile. <laughs> so, um, I wanted to start off because I want to know more about what it was like growing up in Paul. Oh my God. I'm so interested. Why? <laughs> What is wrong? Was your childhood too happy? You're just like, okay, I'm going to call Lindy on here. Let me just depress myself further with Paul Tales. <laughs> what kind of kink is this? What am I feeling into? Because I'd understand more if you were furry. I'd always suspect it though. But I mean, I, I accept your kinks. I don't judge. <laughs> you into furs and cat babies. Whatever. I think babies are children though, so that's kind of gross. But I mean, are they children? No, aren't they like bees? Aren't they like bees in the sky? Bees can't be children. Oh my word! Don't be childish. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, sorry. What was the question? Let's see. Hey, we're doing an interview here. Karen, please focus. Oh, what is it like growing up in Paul? I'm just like, this small town with all these white people. Like, it's very interesting for me. I mean, you know, this is the thing that I was always trying to convey to other people from Paul and other people. Just like in my comedy, I make fun of Paul a lot. But the problem I have with Paul is the problem I have with every single town in South Africa. It's just too segregated. And... Mm -hmm. White people have all these great opportunities and you have to grow up alongside that. And just in part, it's a bit more concentrated because, you know, these people are there in your face all the time and you can see how <laughs> your teachers live in these massive houses mm -hmm. on the mountain. And then you have your friends, your parents' friends and everyone else. They teachers too, but they can like barely afford their car payment every mm -hmm. month or school fees for the kids. And I was just like, you know, I'm in grade six and I'm doing maths. How do they afford DSTV mm. as well? What the hell? <laughs> you think all these math sums when you're in grade four. So obviously, I was a bit more angrier than other people in high school. Just because, mm. you know, having that third eye is a bit of a problem, but it's fine. So it just made me more aware of what's going on. And then as I got to university, I was like, okay, I have the language to to express how I feel about the situation and it turns out the language I needed was I'm really a fuck right now mm. so <laughs> that's that's growing up in Paul but it's growing up in anywhere in South Africa yeah so do you think that like the third eye kind of observational part of your personality is what helped you become a comedian 
I mean, other than the fact it's oh, funny, that's a huge part of, of what your job is. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> yes, I am single. Uh, <laughs> yes, it definitely is being observational. And, you know, I'm a dark-skinned, chubby girl, and I have been my all, all my life. So I've always been a bit, like, ostracized. Like, I take up so much room, but I'm still invisible. Mm. And that only changed when I started doing comedy where people actually noticed me, which is very weird for me because I was like, I just want to talk my cack and go home. You guys doesn't see me, follow me on Twitter and stuff. No, that's too much. But I mean, I got used to that. But it's just like that part of me where I was just in the back of the room. I always saw what's going on. I always saw the interactions. I was never part of it, was able to write jokes about it. Mm. So it worked well in my favor. I mean, I didn't go to parties, but uh, who needs that? <laughs> You look shit anyway. Uh, boo. <laughs> I have my career. <laughs> oh, I relate so, so much right now. <laughs> and parties, that sounds fun, but I mean, uh, what's more fun is working. <laughs> <laughs> Writing about the parties are better. <laughs> Oh, I love the cycle party. <laughs> so, so what made you decide to like to make that transition into becoming a comedian? Well, um, it actually happened when I was at university and I was, the university and I had a bit of a disagreement where they were like, we don't want you here anymore. And I was like, okay, sh- cool shop. I get that. That's all right. And then I was just failing at every fucking thing. I tried and then there was this Marty's Got Talent competition and I was just like, you know what? I'm, I've always wanted to do this thing. I've never had opportunity outside of this. I'm going to try stand up comedy. And I did and I came second and Rock and Feeding was like, yo, you need to go here and do this and then you do whatever. And then I dropped out of university and obviously I had to get the job and then I couldn't do any of the comedy stuff. And I was so depressed on dropping out of university that I just cut contact with everyone. And I wasn't on social media. And it was easier back then. So I wasn't really on. Because I'd been on Twitter since like matric. But then I just took a break. And I was focusing on my job at Walton's, you know, sorting stationery, whatever. And then I got back into Twitter. And then a girl I knew from campus was like, yo... She sent me a DM and she was like, yo, I really think you need to be on stage doing comedy. You were so good that night. Please come. I'll come pick you up in Paul. This girl lived in Wetton and she was like, I'll come pick you sure. up in Paul and take you to Armchair where all the open micers start, like whatever you need. And she did. And now I'm doing comedy because of that. And she's my best friend. Shout out to Nikita's. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like, it's like this, you kind of always need one person. To like be in because yeah. I like I completely forgotten about that because I was like okay cool I work at Walton's now this is my life and I was working with other people who'd been at Walton's for like 20 years 19 years and I was like cool this is where I'm gonna die in Paul obviously it's not my dream or whatever and I was super depressed and yeah it was just like yeah that I have an option it's just mm-hmm. the thought of having an option that drove me so far because like I thought working in Walton's and living in Paul for the rest of my life I thought that was going to be it that's me Lindy Johnson lives and dies here and that's it I'm fine 
And then I had this option of a life where I can travel or maybe just do something fun every now and then, which was actually not that fun because it was very hard. But I mean, it helped me build this life. Mm-hmm. So what would you say would, are some of like the highlights of your career thus far? I mean, I know you're still like very young, but you've done a lot in this like short time. <laughs> I see it's such nice thing to you after you'd call me a furry. So like, I wanted to note that. I wanted to note that. That was you. I don't know why. Your furry cack on me. Um, don't let me join your band or whatever. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start being nicer. I can do that, I think. I was definitely going to Rwanda last year. That was so much fun. And um, yo, I love Rwanda. It's a very dope place. I would recommend any South African woman go there. Not for comedy, <laughs> but just because it's so safe. Is it? Like when mm-hmm. I was there, yeah, when I was there, they were like women walking alone at night. Sure. I was like, what the hell is going on? I asked the other comedian guys there, what's going on? And he was like, it's literally the safest place ever. And that's because I don't have any natural beauties or anything like that. So the number one like tourist attraction is how safe it is. <laughs> they can still name Karen, they can still name the one rape case they had sure. from like years back. The person was like, I don't know, arrested and killed. I don't know. But the thing is, they have like security guards standing on every corner with AK-47s. Sure. So that isn't very cute, but you can walk alone. So mm. Yeah, worth it. Worth it. It's definitely worth it. I definitely go back. But like, what is the comedy it's- scene like there? Uh, it's, uh, it's very safe and you can walk alone wherever you want to go. <laughs> about comedy is, and this is also what I want to talk about is an alibi because mm. iron sharpens iron and this is why South African comedians are so good is because we have other people who make us better. So mm. when we go to gigs, when you're going to gigs, we see people like Luis Ogola, Riyad Musa, Nick Rabinovitz, and like Luis Matinga, Moja Kroko, all these great guys doing stand-up comedy, and they're brilliant, and now you go up and you do a cack set, and you can see it, but if everybody's doing a cack set, it doesn't make a difference. Mm. So like in Rwanda, the scene isn't really popping, they don't really have clubs like that, and I don't, I think they just need to see original comedy the way it's done here because a lot of their sets is like Bernie Mac sets from like the 90s or mm. even which is a, a thing a lot of comedians do when they start out but like which I was fine with but then I started speaking to the guys and they were doing comedy longer than me and I was like oh <laughs> <laughs> no you guys need to make a plan now <laughs> So, like, it's just like this. They just don't have the facilities for it and they don't really invest in it like that. Mm. I understand why they aren't as good, maybe. That's the reason. I didn't investigate it because I was doing so much better than them. I didn't. <laughs> you were just like, I'm killing it. Why do I need to think? Yeah. <laughs> I solve your problems. I don't have any. <laughs> Can't relate, mate. Never died in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So would you say, like, I know this is probably a question you get a lot and it's probably very annoying, but it'll be the first time you get it from me. So anyway, uh, so would you say is your favorite comedians, like local and international, whatever? Ever. Yeah, ever. Okay, obviously Monique Wonder Sykes, they're up there. Mm. Eddie Murphy, duh. Um, Richard Pryor, a little bit. Um, yo. I feel like I'm I need to watch more Richard Pryor. Like, I've heard such good things, but then I've seen stuff, and it's all like, I don't know, just like, of the times? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, there's this <laughs> one of views that, um, Dennis, it's named after a road. Can't remember it. I'll send you. Mm. And it's so good. I think it's on Netflix. It's so good. He makes because you know you caught on fire because he was covered in cocaine. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant though. <laughs> and he was running down the street screaming like it was this massive scandal. And then he made a joke about that. And I love that because it's just that's what comedy means to me, is like reclaiming everything that has happened in your life mm. and laughing at it. So for me, that was the first time I saw that. And I was like, this is amazing. Because everybody was making fun of him and he's a druggie and he has no control of his life. And he was like, yo, fuck it. This is what happened. And I'm going to tell it and you guys are going to laugh at it. And just, it's so powerful, man. Mm. Who else? Sarah McKellian. I can't say Sarah McKellian. Wait, I'm going to Google it. Sarah McKellian. No, I'm saying it wrong. People on Twitter are going to laugh at me. (laughs) I can't even spell it. Google is like, I don't know who this is. Is it the Sarah McMillan? Oh. No, I think she's... Oh, Sarah McMillan. Yeah. No idea who that is. She's brilliant. I think you'd like her as well because she's got like the school teacher vibe but she's super smart and like not sarcastic, witty. She has glasses. Yes. I think I've seen on like a panel show or something. The British love a panel show. I don't know why. I enjoy it. I don't watch any competition shows. Okay. Like anything, like American Idols or The Voice or Chopped or uh, MasterChef, anything like that, I hate it with my heart. Why? Because it's depressing to me. It's just like people go there. No, yes, when they lose and it's a dream and then you're like, oh, I'm a single mother and my son has like cerebral palsy and this is the one thing I have is singing and I, I just love to sing. It makes me feel so better about my life and I forget how shitty it is. And then they're like, no, Simon Cowell says you shit and you smell crap. I don't want people, I don't want to see people go through that rejection. I have enough rejection in my life. I don't need to partake in other people's things. No, that's a buffet that I can stay away from. The only one, but I'll stay away. <laughs> and like some of your favorite stand-up specials? Hmm. Like ones that well, you I would watch again? Oh, one I watch all the time. I don't really watch stand-up specials all the time. Mm. Because it's weird. Um, <laughs> but why I watch all the time? Like a comfort for me is Cat Williams's Film Chronicles. So that's when I watch like whenever I'm super sad and whatever. Um, it just makes me feel so good. Because like, that's the thing with stand-up comedy is there's always a happy ending. Like in 30 mm. seconds. Because you know? I really love rom-coms as well. But like there's always this one big thing. And the whole thing is in his mood. 
like I don't know, he's not answering his phone, they're at the airport, she's running. <laughs> there they lose me already. Why must she run? Why can't the man just stand still? Why must I run to him? I don't like that. So then I watch stand-up comedy and there's a joke every 30 seconds and everyone is happy. Mm. I so Kat Williams and Kevin Hart's laugh at my pain. That's also really good. And Ali Wong. Oh my word. Mm. Ali Wong. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Kevin. <laughs> Love both of them. I think she should make another one, but I mean, uh, she's not touring, so it's fine. She must get pregnant first before she, before she'll make it. Does she have? I don't want her to do another pregnant thing because I don't <laughs> want her to talk about pregnancy. And I mean that in the most respect. I think women who have babies are goddesses. You know, I'm one of those people. You guys are amazing. I just don't want to hear anything about it because it's fucking disgusting. It makes me want to throw up my whole stomach. Not just the contents, the whole thing must be outside of my body. Like, it's so gross. <laughs> it just sounds so horrific. And people that, like, record their pregnancies, video record it, and then watch it back. I mean, not the pregnancy, the birth of the child, like, going into labor. I don't understand that. I get that, though. Why? I get if you are the one who gave birth, I get that because... A lot of women say that they blacked out and they can't remember anything. I hope I black out if I have children. <laughs> I hope I black out. I don't want to remember that shit. But you know what I look on the table. That is my worst fear. I know other things <laughs> scare me, like things are being ripped open and my nipples are going east side, west side. But shitting on a table in front of lots of people kill me. Rather kill me. I don't want to be part of this life anymore. And it's not just like the doctor and a nurse. There's like four people there because that's how big of an operation it is to give birth. So Mm. now there's four strangers who are screaming crap on the table. And I'm just supposed to carry on my life. You know, I work on stage. People see me. What if the doctor's there and I'm trying to do my set and he's just thinking you can't tell a joke crap on the table. I don't need that. No way. I am never giving birth. My plan was always to adopt anyway, so I'm mm. good on that. If I have the money and I want children, I'm adopting one way. I would um I was thinking like when I was preparing for the interview or whatever, I was like the first time that I met you was at one of those pair drive that at Extra Black. Oh yeah? And then you came to sit by us and you were like, I'm avoiding this guy over there because he wants to be a comedian. <laughs> But there's enough of them. <laughs> I will never forget that. And then, um, so now what I wanted to ask you is like with Frizz Pop and stuff, how important is it for you to create spaces for like other women in comedy? I think it's extremely important. Um, it's just, you know, my findings with Frizz Pop, we did that for like a year. Mm-hmm. And then, it's very difficult to get women to do comedy. And there was just a point where I was like, I don't want to force anybody into mm. this. Because when I started doing comedy, I went out of my way to find it. And you need that hunger when you do something like comedy. Yeah. You can't come find you because stand-up comedy is a constant 
work in progress. You are never done. So if you had someone come fetch you to do your first stand-up comedy performance and everything was nice and hunky-dory, you are not going to have that drive. So now I think it's important that the spaces are there. I'm just not going to facilitate it as much as I used to. Mm. That's just a lesson I had to learn. Um, it's an important lesson, but it's really dope, actually. But I, I do feel like I'm seeing more and more younger women in South Africa coming out. I mean, yeah, maybe. Definitely. But like, they also, what they see is TikTok and. Um, mm. You know, YouTube and and I think that's great to be able to because like the thing about comedy is you can try it when you're 50, you can try it when you're 40. So you can try your YouTube first, you can try TikTok first, but if you want to find comedy, you will find it. It doesn't mm. matter about facilities or whatever. You will find it. We just need to make sure it's there. Mm. And it's a welcoming space. Exactly. So how are things looking now? with our level one and all lockdown overs and can you guys do gigs and stuff again? Yeah, there are a few gigs that are up and running. Um, I think this is the perfect time for lockdown to end because like it's August, September, the summer months and like December leading into December. Um, that's when we get a lot of gigs and people just want to be out doing anything and doesn't matter what. So it's a perfect time for us. So I have full faith that we're going to be fine, back on track, whatever. Um, I'm kind of excited about that, but I'm still scared to leave us. Mm, One, because of Corona, and two, because I'm not sure I can still do stand-up comedy. It's still, like, I feel like my virginity's grew back now, (laughs) and it's going to hurt, like, the first time it hurt, but it was also really liquor, because it was, Uh, like, a new person and a new thing, so we'll see, we'll see. I don't know. It's my own (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk the main thing, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, because... (laughs) I'm just dying to talk to somebody about this because I don't think any show makes me as excited, but also as frustrated as this show. Yeah. So like, uh, I know you recently watched season three. So what do you think? It took me forever to watch season three because I don't know, season two, she started working up so much because everything just, oh, you're like, this way on the show. I think it's too late for me to ask that question. <laughs> She just started working my nerves so much because she got everything. And I understand, like, she's a white woman and whatever. But, like, as soon as her career started getting better than mine, I was like, I hate this woman. Like, how dare you stumble upon this profession and be better than me, you fictional human being? It was very frustrating. I had to work on some feelings. But other than that, I really enjoy the show, but also because of her dad. Mm, love him. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> For those who can't see, I made the heart motion with my hands. That thing you doing on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Must I make it beep? Oh, okay, I'm going to make a beep for the dad. What's his name? Tony Shal- Shalu. Yeah, Shalu. I didn't watch it, Monk, but I saw you were watching it recently. Yes. I finished it. I highly recommend it. I just used to see this like, little snippet on SABC2 when, it, yeah. <laughs> like, when you're watching something else. 
That's what I, because that's when my insomnia started as a child. So then I'd watch Monk at like 11 or whatever. <laughs> it was such a good show even then. But then I watch, I want you specifically to watch Monk. Not for the show, but just because, oh, it's just, the ending is so beautiful. Is I it? haven't. Yeah, and it's like it's such a pity because it's such a long show. Mm. I only watched it. I really love detective shows like that. So it was enjoyable for me. But like just the way he grows and he goes on this journey and you're there with him every step of the way and it's fucking difficult and he has so many setbacks and he gets back on the horse, even though he doesn't want to, but he has like all these people who love him who like mm. convert you can still do this whatever and he gets back on the horse and he goes off and he still achieves a life that he's in love with which you don't think he'd be able to do after his wife dies oh it's so beautiful we're talking about marvelous and mrs basil i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like the mentalist yes yes it's very much like the mentalist but better because the ending wasn't shit uh so terrible and it should have been lisbon red john should have been lisbon yeah they would have been cool anyone so actually on that team i didn't even remember who that guy was that was red john i like i was like what episode was he in and and like this so sorry i don't know why i'm getting angry about the mentalist now and that man with the church I have so many questions why did he know all that stuff the man with exactly. the cult how did he know these things and nobody explained it things. and I was just all like oh yeah they're connected in the field all these guys know each other don't talk back to me man <laughs> just you know make a good story this is television you don't need to make things logical now suddenly at the end of the show when doing the show you was finding clues yeah under people's shoes there's a spot of blood he's the killer don't yeah <laughs> okay marvelous mrs Maisel, whatever um, <laughs> um what was actually as you were saying about people just redoing other comic sets? I actually didn't know there was a thing until I watched Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and yeah, I didn't know that pe- that was like a, a thing that people usually did until yeah, it's a very common thing, especially for newcomers. Um, it's just a thing of there's a lot of ignorance around the comedy industry, mm. so people don't really know what's going on. So, and I don't know if they just don't think that we'd know. Like, we mm. don't know what neckies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think it's an easy profession. So, obviously, you can just yeah. love something else and do it, and then it's fine. And people laugh, so they don't know any different. Mm. So, then it's fine, because not everyone's watched stuff the way we've watched stuff. But, like, after a performance, they'll always be... Like, an armchair was one of my favorite things. When a newcomer would come do someone else's set, and then they just talk over him until... He, he left the stage. Ah, <laughs> oh, such good times. <laughs> As, okay, so let's go. I want to talk about your tweet with, where you said that Midge was almost like Rory from Gilmore Girls. And I know you've seen, you're quite into Gilmore Girls. Like, you I watched it for huh. the first time as an adult. I think that's why. Uh. And I didn't expect to get like fat drawn into the thing, but also white people problems at my show. That's where I want to be. Yeah, you. What? She crashed the Porsche? 
oh no <laughs> that's where i want to be i don't want to hear problems that i also have i don't want to hear about how it's my turn to buy olive oil this time because you bought a lot no i have enough i want to hear about those problems that i'm gonna have in my future mm. so it's like you more girls is really but i Lorelai was so annoying mm. and Rory was so selfish and I just love it so much. Bad characters are so much better than Nika characters because Luke was so boring. I, um, Who was the most boring person on that show? Um, no, I always thought that, that Midge was like Lorelai because she had that similar kind of like blah, 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 blah energy. And then, yeah. um, and I always thought, okay, Joel was like Christopher. But then when you see the Rory thing, and I'm like, no, wait, she's Rory. She right? really is. Oh, no, Rory. But the thing is because she's still a daughter. Mm. That's why. And Lorelai is a mom, and she was thrown into responsibility when she was 16. So that's why she's got that quality mm. because she's like Claire Dumphy. Yeah. Where you're just like, you constantly have to be on everything because your kid doesn't care. But, like, Rory has no kids in the world. Mitch has no kids in the world. Mm. So Mitch has kids. I, can't, yeah. I cannot deal with that terrible mother she is. Like, I think it's too much. Now she, now she have kids. How she keep losing the one child? The, the small one. The baby. Yeah, like, they stay with the nanny the whole time. So, I don't know, like... <laughs> it makes no sense to me. For me, she doesn't have children. Joel takes more care of the children than she does, which isn't a bad thing. She's pursuing a career. She's doing well. Oh, my word. You can't do spoilers, eh? No, do spoilers. We just bought the whole of that new Mulan movie in the last episode. <laughs> but I mean, Mulan's been out for years. No, the so new one. Is the plot different? Uh, no, not really, but still. Some people die. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> We're not going to spoil it again in the same Okay. Okay, <laughs> okay so season three, mm-hmm. when she gets kicked off the plane, oh my word, inject that into my veins. I loved it so much. I was like, why is this bitch crying? She literally outed this guy. Why? First, yeah. why did they invite her to the Apollo in the first place? And I know they invite white people, but still. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I she doesn't know. Because he was her opener. She was his opener. So, like, they didn't know she was white. I'm sure. Because that's how it works a lot of times when you accompany a big act. They don't know your name. They don't even know you're supposed to be there. All that kind So, like, the fact that she's there doesn't surprise me. It's so Mm. easy to be in. But the fact that she said that, I was like, come on. There's no way you don't realize what you're saying. Exactly. And she could have definitely had one or two jokes, but like red shoes, come on. And also like, why didn't she prepare? She just went up there. I don't think she could have prepared for that crowd. Ah. There okay. was no way she was going to do one of her sets. There's no way they're going to, mm. like that all black crowd in that time in America was going to relate to her. Oh, my husband left me and now I'm terrible and whatever. They're not going to relate to her jokes like that. So she had to make something up in the spot. And she could have said something about how the food and that mm. all the girls want to be with him and, and she's going to hold the dishes. I made a set. 
like while I was watching, I was like writing a set in the back of my mind. This is what you could have made jokes. And I like I feel like I'm those people who always tell me after the show, I have a joke for you. So, <laughs> so I'm just trying to keep that to myself. I don't care what she did, whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh. But she's uh I don't know. I, I wonder if they if they're leaning into making her like a character that we don't like, like they did with Rory. I don't think so. Or we're supposed to be rooting for her. Because at the end, it made it seem like we shouldn't. Like when that yeah, ex-fiance like, came back and... I feel like we're supposed to feel sorry for her. Like she's the one who made this mistake and she didn't know it was going to lead to this. And oh my word, how could he take this opportunity from her? Like it's that kind of thing. She's the victim, Karen. No, she's not. <laughs> <laughs> I was frustrated with her when she went back to Joel and she left that other, the hot um, guy from, from Chuck. What's his yes. name? Yes. He's gotten so hot and broad now. Like I'm not into white men like that, but yo, I'd like to climb that tree. Just to see what the view is like, on, like for me. I was like, He's no, so and, and he's a doctor goes. and he's sarcastic. Oh my god. He's exactly. <laughs> and then she goes back to Joel. Waylene said on Twitter that Joel is hot now. And Waylene is lying because she's from Namibia. No. All she knows there is those German boys who never leave the house and only sauerkraut for breakfast. Obviously, she thinks Joel is hot. She wasn't talk nonsense here. South Africa. We have better white boys. Yes, they want to kill us, but they do. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Joel is not hot. Not even. But I understand why she went back to him. Like they always had that connection. It was his fault that they don't have that connection anymore. But she always loved him, and they had fun together. And you can see in their flashbacks they were meant to be together, and all that kind of nonsense. It's I, mean, like, I wouldn't go back to him, not because he's not hot, but because he cheated. And I yeah. just don't respect that action. I just feel like she has hotter guys around now. I'm like Lenny Bruce. I'm like full on in love with Lenny Bruce. I've been watching old Lenny Bruce like on YouTube. Lenny Bruce. Who is Lenny Bruce? The other the comedian. That she like hangs oh, out with. No. <laughs> what? No. I was thinking she could hook up with um that guy, Shy Baldwin's manager. Yo. Yes, no. But I was I, no. I don't know what her manager's deal, but I thought something was going was gonna go on there. Even though they uh, call her like a little boy or whatever. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but I don't know, they're just such good banter. No, hey, yeah, they good chemistry, but I mean, you could have chemistry with a piece of paper. Have you seen his thighs? <laughs> but also, like, I just feel like that role is so liquor because, like, in This Is Us, he's this like serious dad character, and in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, he was just so like, like charismatic and like funny and oh, it was. But yeah, no, he's too good for Midge. That's what I like. At least Lenny Bruce is like a drug problem. Like, she... Like, he's like... more upper alley. Nice, <laughs> She's a mother. Have some respect. <laughs> is she a mother now? Drug addict nonsense. Can I just add one more point? One yes. more point. 
with Lenny Bruce and her, I think it's imperative that they don't ever have anything romantic because it's really important to have a friend in comedy, especially as a woman. Mm. So you need someone who's going to be honest with you and will be able to show you the ropes and still tell you you're being really cuck right now. So that's why our friendship with Lenny is very, very important to me. And I hope they don't ever do anything romantic because that would be really gross. Because I've already casted the role of Lenny in my life. So now that's fucking gross. Because <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh yeah, I've seen Bonds. Like, she asks him like questions about the industry. He's there to tell her all the nonsense and also tell her, yo, this wasn't funny. Don't do that joke ever again. Not that the Asians ever say that to me because all my jokes work, but uh-huh. yes, you're segue. <laughs> no, yeah. So I wanted to segue into SNL because, okay. yeah. But I first want to talk about our two faves, Colin and Michael. <laughs> I was actually sorry, when we were talking about stand up specials, I watched Michael J's one recently and I didn't realize it was that long ago because when he said, yeah. like, I think Hillary's going to win, and I was like, hey, what now? What, what was that, 2016? Yeah. But yeah. it was really good, though. I thought so. And I'm, you know, I'm not the biggest. That was when I became a fan of his, because his special was so, like, I didn't know we did it like that. Um, the thing about SNL is just, they used to have such strong comedic actors on it. And, mm. like, yes who do comedy now and then, but like the Wolf Faddles and Mike Myers and that, and I don't feel like they do that anymore. And like, I've tried watching some of their skits and it's a lot of, they're sacrificing making good jokes because they don't include more people of color on the sets or in the writing rooms. I don't know hmm. what it is because they're only making fun of white Republicans and yeah, it's funny and whatever. They're not learning their lesson, so it's just got a big relief for us, I guess. But now, I just feel like you can make fun of minorities. You can make fun of black people. You can make fun of disabled people. There are funny things that, that's happening there. It's just you wouldn't know how because you don't hire those people. Hmm. So you can't speak on the experience because you're going to come down as white people who like, uh, black people always eat chicken. That's the kind of jokes you want to make. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much better if you just hire the right people and right now they're just so determined to keep it and like nothing on Keenan because he's amazing and he's done amazing things but he's also like 40 something I think there should be someone younger and someone more edgy yeah definitely I, like, I hate that the edgiest person currently in the course is like Pete Davidson like <laughs> He's 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 the edgy. <laughs> Don't get me started on Pete Davidson. I hate him so much, and he's younger than me. It works on my nerves that he's younger than me and he's so successful. Like, okay, fine, maybe he's super talented. Even still, I hate him anyway. But I also feel like um, Lauren Lauren Michaels has like it's like he sees him as like the new protege. Yeah, like he's the new the new like star to come out of SNL. So yeah. he almost like he gets all the opportunities that maybe yes, like, others wouldn't. Like, like, I, think, I don't know if you saw his Netflix special. I haven't seen it. No, I feel it ties me, man. Hot garbage. And I used to watch, like, I have patience for all stand up because it's stand up. 
but his was so bad and it wasn't like well thought out jokes like it was a premise and not like gags that have been well written tried at several clubs and then performed for Netflix special it was premises which I hated because like this is not what the special is that's why it's called special and not open mic night no but exactly um Rebecca was Rebecca said to me now that like like her favorite is is Leslie Jones but I feel like they didn't they couldn't find out ways to make Leslie Jones be anyone but Leslie Jones yeah it's like it'll be a skit and then it will just be like Leslie Jones will come in and be herself in that skit one skit which was like wearing a nice pink dress and a long wig and she was still Leslie Jones. <laughs> she was still shouting at people. Like, Why are you saying you clothes for this? You could have just worn your leggings. It's fine. <laughs> but like, yeah, there aren't any young black women on. There's a girl ego something she's like nigerian yeah um, no, but i don't feel like they either not they're not giving her enough stage time yeah but i don't know what her style is what her voice i don't know what it is but they did the same thing with like so she is a mate like they just never gave her screen time like exactly. she wasn't or they just didn't or she probably wrote skits and they probably just never picked it yeah. Because they, the thing is that, like, you can do all that stuff, but I mean, I, I like, I know Shay is like a is a like a head writer now. But he's also Michael Shay. So yeah. Like, you know, I'm very happy when men of color succeed and they do great things for themselves. I just never take it as a win for us as well. Mm. Because he's gonna go there and be like, "Yo, let's hear both sides." And you know, this is stupid. Everyone is stupid. Why would you care about this? The liberals and the Republicans. You guys don't make any sense. <laughs> and that's good, whatever. But you're not saying anything of value. You're not adding yeah. to the conversation. You're not changing your narrative. You're just there making jokes about how things are cut. We know. But it's like, I mean, I don't know what he's like in your life. And, and I also think that the special helped me, like, I liked him more after that. But I was like, but is this weekend update thing, like, characters that they're playing? Are they like this in their life? I think we spoke before, like, about whenever someone would criticize one of them and then they will, then <laughs> they will, like, go off on social media. Well, more shape. Okay. Mm. I completely understand, but I've been following Michael Shay for a very long time. Obviously, I don't know him, and that doesn't mean I know him. But, like, the weekly report is definitely characters, because they just have to report on the stuff, and then mm. be contributing or whatever. Um, but, like, his personality in real life is very much laid back. Yeah. Whatever. And when he attacks people, because he'll attack someone like you with a blog. <laughs> you commented on his stuff, and it's just like, you need to understand the magnitude of where you are. Mm. Versus Karen in Cape Town with a blog. Mm. Like, it doesn't make sense. And, like, it, it makes me lose faith in people like that when they can't see things in perspective. Because how are you seeing, not seeing yourself as super powerful and you still want to talk about the quality when you mm. don't have your own privilege? Yeah. 
So that's what I think about. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wonder if it's like exped like the way they do things needs to change. I mean, obviously there needs to be some what other with SNL. Yeah. Like for there to be more people of color, different types of people. I mean, I don't know, maybe if I hold like a nostalgic feeling towards like the, the early 2000 phase of, of SNL when Tina Fey was head writer. But like when Maya Rudolph and Tracy Morgan and them were on, like that time was brilliant. It was a lot of white women, white womening, but it was still like, I felt that there were such good quality jokes that time. Yes, it was brilliant back in the day, but I just... You know, I hate to say this because I'm also a very massive SNL fan, mm. but I just don't think there is space for a show like SNL in our society anymore. Yeah. Because it will always remain Lauren Michaels' show. Mm. Always be his thing. He's proven that time and time again that what he says goes. So I don't think we can have comedy-led things that's going to be current if it's led by this old rich white man. It's mm. just not gonna happen. So unless they get a completely, the thing is, if they take him away, you take the show away. Yeah, that's also so like I. It's like you you kind of need to create something new, and I mean I know they've done a whole lot of different versions. I mean, in Loving Colors, Second City. Yeah. So that's like a weird version with Bantu Hour, which was mm. brilliant, and um, which unfortunately came to an abrupt end out of nowhere. And it was no one's fault. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe Lord and Ma- uh, L- Lauren Michaels, he did what he had to do. And like, he can bow, he can retire now. Because you're right, it's not the same show without him. Yeah. And yeah, he has a final say. In the show. Yo, that was very sad. But... Um, <laughs> Six seasons. It's mad. It's a lot of seasons. I feel like I'm just thinking about this logically. Like mm. even if it has to happen, SNL is cancelled, I will cry. But logically, <laughs> it makes sense. You need to end the show. There needs to be space for something better. NBC needs to invest in mm. young people of color. But I wonder if it now, if it's just like a bold and the beautiful type situation, like it's just like something that's always going to be there, and they just. I, don't, I mean, I wonder if they see it like that. Like something that's just like part of what TV is at this point. Until so Lauren Michaels dies. Or, like that. Because it that, literally the same amount of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that it's, oh, it's, just, it's almost like a soapy at this point. Like it's like, oh, different people come and go, but the show still stays the same. Yeah. And like people will always watch it because like that's what they know. And that's what they've always known. Like, yeah. people probably sit down with their families at night to watch that because, you know, they did it with their parents who did it with their parents. Okay, I don't think it's all. like, when we, I still remember this, it's like the first very vivid memory I have about television was like when I was in grade two and backstage ended. Mm. And that was the show we watched like all the time. And I think it was Igoli, maybe. Or something, we always watched that show. That was what we watched. Mm. And then they cancelled backstage and then Seven the Lime started and I was like, I I don't see us watching this. What is this? People are talking about cards and all this stuff. And we ended up watching that till this day. My mother watches Seven the Lime. So 
I feel like you just need to give people something new and better. And they'll always miss, like, I'll, I'll always miss backstage. But Sieva Delan was there for me. So now we just need to get a new Sieva Delan to replace it now. That's all. <laughs> People will get used to it. Mm, I suppose so. Like, when I was small, I mean, I'm obviously quite a deal older than you. Um, no. It's another compliment that I gave you. But, um, <laughs> but first, you didn't have DSTV, but... Also, like, isn't I wasn't on TV when I was small. So, like, the only the knowledge of sketch comedy I knew was, like, in Living Color. Mm-hmm. And when that ended, I was, like, upset. But then I discovered SNL, uh, probably, like, 15 or something like that. But you're right. Like, things end. We discover something new. And I think the legacy of it is they, they, they've done what they need to do. They've done, like, yeah. like for 50 years of it. What more? But I'm, like, I get so happy. I'm always for shows ending. Uh, Other want you to end than to drag something out. But where am I gonna get that kind of joy I get when Eddie Murphy came out and they did like his old characters and we like Adam Sandler came back? When am I gonna get that joy again? When a ca- when a cameo comes from someone you didn't know was there. <laughs> <laughs> when the new show comes, you'll get no- more jo- joy. Like when Sierra Alan came and then George Kiriakis was there, I was like, that's my joy. That's where I'm happy. <laughs> you find things to hold on to. <laughs> so I wanted to ask about another show that I know that you are a fan of, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So, so what do you... <laughs> so so how, do you, like, how do you think they're going to move forward with the show, seeing as... Uh, the way that uh, that the audience is looking at the police in the U.S. is so drastically changed. Yeah. I mean, they have addressed it before this whole thing, mm. which I thought was quite dope of them. But um, one thing I really love about Brooklyn Nine-Nine is that they don't try and make shit that isn't funny, funny. Like, when they were talking there, this one episode about sexism in the workplace and the way women feel and all this kind of stuff, there were jokes, but they weren't about the actual issue. And I really love that tactful response. And if they do choose to do another season, is there another se- is there season eight? Yeah, I think so. So if they do, do season eight, I know they're going to do it in a very respectful way and then distract us with Boyle's eating habits or <laughs> The outfits he wears, or his son, you know, like Nicolas. <laughs> what? Yeah, Nicolas. <laughs> Not saying it right. <laughs> Nicolas. And like Adina's, I don't know what flamboyance, and I like that. Mm. Distracting with nonsense while still informing me about the issue because the people who watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, especially Americans, they probably don't know what's going on so if they're gonna get the information through something like brooklyn 99 oh power to you mm. i do hope they taste it because I, I i mean i remember that episode where terry was was pro was racially profiled and um Holt told him to like drop the case yeah so i mean i love that it's, it's just i hope they do it more <laughs> what are, what's what's those the, the two white guys name Hitchcock and... And Scully. Scully, yeah, and Scully. <laughs> when they were like, when, the, when one was like, 
why was he why was he arrested <laughs> and the <laughs> other one was like because he's black get woke <laughs> <laughs> i love them so much they are so disgusting and make you feel so much better about who i am as a human being because i can always be like yeah i just keep stuff under the fridge because i'm too lazy to sweep but i've never eaten off the floor so oh my gosh i love that episode when they were young oh, it was so funny but it was like so weird don't talk nonsense they were that bow and now they look like that don't lie no ways I'm not body shaming. I just, I also want to try to be that bow and then look like this. Where's my moment? I didn't even have wing sluts. <laughs> oh my gosh. Greatest, greatest twist in like, in, in TV ever. At the right? end of that segment when they were like, Hitchcock? And you're like, oh. <laughs> it's them. <laughs> Okay here's, okay, here's a question I've always wanted to ask you. Tell me about the origins of your crush on Tom Selleck. Oh, oh, that's easy. So, like, shame, a lot of older men that have, like, work birth or whatever, and they see, like, my phone screen or whatever, they always think it's, like, from Magnum PI, but it's not. It's from Friends. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, now I get that. I mean, it talks. And I saw this man and he was just such a gentleman and like everything he does and he says is so considerate. Mm. You know, he just looks like the type of guy who would run after you if you dropped a slip. Not even like your purse, a slip. He just doesn't want you to forget that you can take your microwave back in three months if there's a problem. Like, that is the sexiest thing you could ever be as a man is considerate. You care about my feet. This isn't even like, I know it sounds very bottom, like, what's that? What do they always say? The bars on the, on the floor. Yes, bars <laughs> on the floor, whatever the hell. It's not. It's very difficult to find any person who's extremely considerate. So I don't think it's very weird for me to find it so attractive. And he has an evil form. He has an evil form in America. Yes, he lives in California. And he got in trouble because he was using water and there's a, a drought there. Come on, Karen, keep up. <laughs> so, so what else have you been watching lately? Oh. So I finished Monk. I tried to watch Lucifer, but it creeped me out because I just feel like I was raised to Christian to watch Lucifer go around and flirt with people. Ah, go back. <laughs> <laughs> but also the trope was so tired. We were just like, oh, this unbelievably hot guy that no girl can resist is interested in this boring girl. Come on. That was just so, and it happens to be a blonde, white, pretty girl. Mm. Like, it can't even be someone interesting. She's just a policewoman. That's all. <laughs> and she was like on the TV show years ago, but it's California. Everybody was. Whatever. Anyway, Lucifer. And then I tried watching Ratchet today. It didn't go well. Um, ooh, The Good Place is something I really loved. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed watching that a lot. Um, 
Oh, I got into Dollface. Oh, I love Dollface. Do you? Yeah, it took me a bit. Is Dollface the one with Cat Dennings? Yes. It took me I a hot like minute, but Shay Mitchell made it worth it. I wasn't a big fan of Cat Dennings in there, though. In Dollface? Yeah. I, I feel like think if- she's for more like edgier roles and they're not using her well. But she also chooses what she does, though. She could. She's true. This is true. You make a but, good point, Karen. But Shay Mitchell and Brenda Song were like spot on in that show. Brenda Song is amazing. I love her. She <laughs> saves the show for me. That's it. Like, because I'm only a few episodes in, mm. and like, it's just Brenda so- Song that's keeping me there because everyone else is extremely boring. Do you not like Shay Mitchell? Yeah, but I don't like a character. Oh. This, the tea, I don't like it. <laughs> no, come back and focus here. Don't come talk unnecessary things. I'm also like, I'm, I've been trying to watch Fleabag since last year. And I'm struggling so much because just watching this woman who is complete trash, who doesn't know what she's doing with her life, it's... You know, it's so unrelatable to me that I cannot watch. It's uncomfortable how unrelatable it is. This woman <laughs> at every point in turn, I'm just like, I don't know what's going on sometimes in the show. It's so hard, I can't relate. I watch a lot of like detective shows. Mm. Like I was watching Law and Order SVU for a while. Brilliant. That I was just watching every single night. was... <laughs> And there was one night. you tweeting about that. So there was this one night where I, I had an edible. Um, someone, if my mother listens to this, someone tricked me. <laughs> they told me it was a normal biscuit. <laughs> I didn't smell or anything. And I just ate it. Because I didn't want to be rude. And then I had the edible. And then I watched an episode. And then I also smoked, which I was also tricked into doing. <laughs> They told me it was intense. That's why I wanted to smell good on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched an episode of Law and Order and it freaked me out so much. You don't even understand. I was crying and the episode wasn't scary. It was just freaky. It was so freaky. Do you want to know what happened? Okay. I'll yeah. Please tell me what happened. Okay. So there was this family. Say so we'll call them the Adams, right? They, their daughter went missing, Heather, like years ago. Then they opened the door. So they like mom, dad, and two daughters. And then the one daughter ran away because like she had a fight with the other daughter. Heather ran away. Then she was a bit chubby when she ran away, whatever. Comes back, comes back. And someone knocks on the door. And she's like, hey, I'm Heather. I have the same tattoo as Heather, whatever. This girl looks so gross. Like she's been living in a, like, jail cell, whatever, in someone's dungeon. And she tells the police everything. This is where I've been, whatever. And the sister is like, you're not either. I don't know who you are, but you need to leave my family alone. All this kind of stuff. And everyone's like, what the hell? It's either. And the mother's also like, I don't think this girl is either. And the police investigates further. And they're like, okay, you're not either. But who are you? Because you have definitely been living in someone's cell, like dungeon in the house. And it turns out, she was kidnapped from her mom, this girl, who is not Heather. Mm-hmm. 
she was kidnapped from her mom by her dad and her dad kept her in a dungeon in their house and raped her every day. <gasps> so that was a separate case. Then everyone was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How did the family know this isn't Heather? Because it looked like Heather has a tattoo. How did they know? Candy, the other sister killed Heather a long <gasps> time ago. Yes! And the same thing. And, that's, and the mom found out like a few years after Heather went missing that the daughter killed her and they just left it and they were like, I'm not going to lose two daughters. I've already lost one. Oh, and then the girl got arrested. But it was so creepy to see her come back. Oh, just think, I don't know why you made me relive that. <laughs> I watched the show Evil and it's also like a detective type show but they investigate like supernatural yeah. type things to like see if it is supernatural if it's just normal things. So the one lady on the team is almost like a psychologist type person. And then yeah. she's like skeptical and there's a guy that's like a technological person. So a lot of the things that people think are supernatural is actually just something wrong with your pipes or something, you know, like something wrong yeah. with some cables or something like that. And he checks out. And then the other guy is like, my cult is like, a, um, he's like a priest in training. So they do like exorcisms and stuff. Bold. Yeah. Oh, it's odd. I, I told you. <laughs> Let me just, where's evil one? <laughs> It's on, I think it's on TSTV. But listen, if you got creeped out by like Lucifer, um, some bad news for you because it's... Just... Like, like for me, Supernatural, I love that kind of stuff. Like scary movies with ghosts and all hmm. those kind of things. I'm fine with that. But like with Lucifer, I was just like, no. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> But, um, but anyway, there was this episode of the show where they, they went to go investigate this child. And the mother's like, the parents and their one child. And they had a baby as well. So it was like Jack and Jill. And the son's name was like Sean. And anyway, so then they were like, they had to investigate the child. They're like, he keeps attacking the baby. And then they were like, we don't know what to do. We've taken him to like institutions. They like, send him back. He keeps on like wanting to do stuff. And the child was just creepy, man. He kept on saying weird things. And then the one point he said, um, so, so Michael was like a priest and the priest said, you know, if you want something, you just need to pray about it and God will give it to you. Something like that. And then, the, I don't know, something Michael comes to show him some like drawing that he did. And he comes there and the child's like, oh, you were right. I prayed about something and it happened. And then he looks and in the pool is like the baby. Like <gasps> floating. And then the child is just like watching and he's like, but I prayed for it. And then Michael to like jumps in and I mean, spoiler, whatever, but he saves the child. But like, it's just like, there's so many instances. And then, okay, this is a big spoiler. And then they go, they're like, okay, no, there's definitely something wrong with this child. Like the psychologist couldn't even find out properly what's wrong with him. They're like, okay, we're going to do an exorcism. So they call in like the high priest and they come there to do the exorcism. Then they're like, the child's not here. He ran away. But then they could see that the, the parents obviously killed the child because the mother was like, there's nothing I wouldn't do to like save my child. But she was obviously talking about the baby. Yeah. And it's just like, because they, they didn't know what else to do with their child because they were like, no institution so will take him. It was like, but that child was so creepy. Like, I was like, nee, I'm not watching this stuff at night again. 
But like, why did they do that? Oh, I don't know. I, ooh, oh, my word. I love, I want to watch it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love things like that. Like you investigate the thing and then you solve it or you come to a conclusion like that. Don't give me all the other tirantankies about your divorce and the people, the characters in the background. Yeah, we're having trouble at home. My baby doesn't drink milk. She only drinks formula. Nonsense like that. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear you found the killer. That's, that's the only thing. That's actually something that was annoying me about the show because there's the psychologist, there's something, there's some like other creepy thing with her. But she has four daughters that are like small men and they all talk at the same time and it's so irritating. Uh. <laughs> and like every time they showed her out, like at the house, because I know there's other creepy things going on there, but I'm like, I don't care. Also, there was this episode where the, the children got like these VR things and there was this creepy child that just kept on appearing in their VR, like their virtual reality stuff. Wild. That's but, <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> Before we end this off, I just want you to know, like, what's your all-time, like, favorite series and movie? Um, I think it would be, like, My Wife and Kids. Mm. And then my favorite movie, The Last Holiday. Ah, Queen Latifah. Yeah. Brilliant movie. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a love interest in that movie? Was it, like, Common or someone? Was it, there was an Owl Cool J? Yes. She said some little love interest. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much, Lindy, uh, for joining us. This. I had so much fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, we'll check it out. That was our interview with Lindy. You can find her at Lindy A. I don't know how to pronounce this. On Twitter and Instagram. So the links will be in the show notes. So if you can't work it out by the way I said it, please go check there. So as always, links to everything discussed will be on our website. So Rebecca, before we head out, what have you been crushing on this week? There's this cute guy. No, I'm joking. Um, I've been watching High Fidelity with Mm -hmm. Zoe Kravitz. And I wish that I was her. (laughs) Like, she is this level of cool that I Mm. am aiming for. And I've been aiming for it all my life, but I don't think I'll ever get to that level of coolness. Um, but also, her father is a hearty. And a mother. Um, huh? And yeah, a mother. But in terms of for me <laughs> to actually date, <laughs> her mother's beautiful, her mother's gorgeous, but I'm so talking about you, like hearty. So do, you Lenny, think, as in. so do you think that you actually... There's a, there's a chance that, uh-huh. uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's your level of delusion right now. Like, oh, delusion? <laughs> Yo. Wait, say it again. Actually, no, let's not say that. That's mean. We can take that out. What did you say? No, say What are you going to say? No, I didn't mean to say delusion, but I, I mean, I don't know what, uh, maybe psyche was the word. <laughs> I, I want to know, like, you, you think that, like, like, you're like, okay, in the next two weeks, I could meet and meet up with and hook up with Lenny Kravitz. Like, that is in your proximity. 100%. He was going to be in Amsterdam. <gasps> he was going to, he was supposed to do a tour. So, been. yes, to answer your question. Delusional or not? <laughs> Possibly. But, um, yeah, high fidelity. <laughs> as far as I know, there's no season two. Yeah, it was cancelled. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I was really disappointed that it was cancelled. I, I haven't gone around to watch it yet. But um, I really liked the book and the movie. Even though I haven't seen it in a while. And I just thought like a gender swapped version mm. with Zoe Kravitz is like the coolest thing ever. So I was really looking forward to watching it. And I know that she herself was quite passionate about the project. And I'm quite sad that, that I can't. I mean, I can. But I mean like, that it, it was cut short. I mean, I know there yeah. wasn't her intention for it to be just a one season show, which is kind of sad. Yeah. But that is quite sad. And what about you? So what, this... What have you been watching? So, um, like, unfortunately, the show came out last week before we could talk about the Emmys or what, or what was we recorded before. And I was so ecstatic because I really love Zendaya. And, yeah. and I think she was so excellent in Euphoria. And I was so happy that she won. My word, my little girl has grown up <laughs> and I'm so proud of her. Um, was that was great about Watchmen, but like that was to be expected. And Shit's Creek was also, yeah. Oh man, excellent! Such great yeah. things this year. Um, I haven't seen Succession yet, but I've heard like such great things. And and Kevin spoke about it on his episodes. So I'm gonna probably watch that soon. I recently watched Enola Holmes with Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. It was a movie about like the sister of Sherlock Holmes. And like, it's like a kiddie oh. version. It's so cute. I loved it. I really yeah, did. Short. Any, yeah. any Cavill plays Sherlock Holmes. And it's like, Hello. there's no way Sherlock Holmes is so hot. Anyway. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, and, and other than that, I just, I caught up this week with like part three of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is such a nonsense show, but there's so many hot people and they just do the weirdest <laughs> things and it's so it funny. seems to be a theme here <laughs> it's just so chaotic and like I have like I can't stop watching it like I, I was like oh I'll just watch one episode of the new of the, the new season and then I was I finished it in like two days and also um, after we recorded the interview with Lindy I actually went to watch the Richard Pryor special that she that she suggested which was mm. in the show notes in the episode, I, w- I said something about, like, he's very much of the times. Because the clips that I'd seen of him on YouTube were all, like, very misogynistic. But then when, mm-hmm. once I saw, like, an entire set of his, like, within the special, I was like, this guy is really brilliant. And I was, like, crying, laughing. Like, every, all the jokes were written, uh, like, the bits were written so well. And everything flowed into each other. It was brilliant. So I take back what I said before. Um, no, no, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I hundred percent agree with her now. So yeah, that's it from us this week. You can find me at at Karen Walby on Instagram, at Karen Walby's with the S on Twitter, and sign up for my newsletter, Wild's Dreams at wildsdreams.substacks.com. Me, you can call on my landline <laughs> at o two one. <laughs> the podcast can be found at, at crushing on pod on twitter instagram and facebook you can find more information about this and all our other episodes at our website crushingonpodcast.com and send any feedback to crushingonpod at gmail.com join our facebook group crushing on club where we chat about the show celebrity news, recommendations, the whole shebang. 
Let us know what you think about what was discussed in this week's episode by sending us a voice note or email to crashingonpod at gmail.com. The show is produced by me, Karen, and Rebecca Barches. The show is edited and engineered by Rebecca Barches. Our logo was designed by Nathifa Marouf. And the show was created in partnership with IGN Africa. If you like the show, tell everyone that you can any way that you can. Keep up to date with all our episodes by subscribing to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please rate and review the episodes on Apple Podcasts as it helps others find the show. We'll be back next week with another in-depth conversation with a pop culture lover. See you then. Hey everyone. On the show, we were joined by Taryn Cadre, the host of the podcast What's the Quarantine? If you haven't listened to the episode yet, it's an insightful one about microaggressions, reality shows, and much more. But more than that, I want to encourage you to listen to Taryn's podcast, which is such an important and interesting space that focuses on education and identity. In the last episode, she chatted with Mia Arden, the author of the book Mermaid Filet, about the book, mental health, sexual abuse, amongst other topics. It's a must listen. You can get the podcast on all major podcast platforms, and once again, it's called "What's the Quarantine." But listen to Taryn explain more about it here. Even for me, as the host, like I'm also unlearning, so the space is about learning. I would describe the space as a place to come and put your cuck in a box and let's unpack it. Let's throw the things that you have a problem with, and let's. Sort it out one by one. You know, mm. that's what I would say. The show, what the show represents for me, and I think it's also specifically focused on the identity crisis of people who call themselves coloured. Mm. I definitely want to focus on that end, amongst other things. But that's like where the core messaging lies. 